It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. It is J.C. and Morgan. Welcome, 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 everybody, on a Monday morning. That's when we record this live. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, for those listening on a myriad of formats, from Spotify to iTunes and everything in between, also those watching on Facebook and Twitter, we say hello and welcome. It is episode number 215, if you're scoring at home. He is J.C. Sherbert. Back in Chi-Town, Mike Morgan here in Atlanta, home of the struggling Atlanta Braves uh, with a must-win situation tonight and uh, home of the Falcons, who had a uh, walk-off winner yesterday, had a chance to be in attendance for both those games, which was kind of fun. My wife and I were doing the uh, the all-sports uh, scene here in the ATL on a weekend off for me, and it was uh, it was kind of nice to just sit back and relax and enjoy the games as opposed to uh, having a microphone in front and working games. Uh, J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports, uh, he's always got a microphone, whether or not he knows it. it he's, he's, there's always something. I think there's like a documentary being done on J.C. He doesn't know it yet, but there's like cameras. And what was that movie that they did years ago, J.C.? It took like 12 years to film it, and they just took these like young kids and filmed them all the way till young adulthood. I can't remember the name of it, but it got a lot of awards for all that uh, – crazy kooky stuff that they did i prefer Our, uh, to be like in being john malkovich being jc sherbert being jc sherbert i sent you the picture i got I, so we we had uh a sweet pick a uh, sweet pick we had a, a a sweet seat a seat in a suite whatever you want to call it we had really a nice setup that the falcons game on uh sunday and uh so it's like you're you're not you're in a suite you're not really in a seat. It's it's you've got this common area that they have the buffet, and then you have the seats out in front of it, uh, right on the forty yard line. Really nice setup at at the Mercedes Benz Zone, which is again dome. It's it's just an incredible venue, and the SEC is lucky to have it for the SEC championship game every year. You're gonna have college football uh, playoff games there. I, who knows with the twelve team how that's all gonna sort itself out but Atlanta will always be as I like to call it the mecca for college football and will always be a um, a factor in in big events for the sport but um, we, we're sitting there and you know there's the the balcony so it's the second deck and and we're row two and row one there is this guy he was your spirit animal JC I mean visor uh, he he had a certain walk and swag about him he had a, a certain zest for life. Everything he said <laughs> it just had some type of vibe about it. And, uh, you know, he probably had about five liquor drinks before the half. He's, he's feeling his best life. Uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, he's, he's tearing the buffet had no chance. He's tearing that sucker down. He's just living every moment of it. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. That he he is he's got some JC swag right here. Uh, the hair was just kind of you know like a little disheveled. He didn't have the yeah. beard. 
Yeah, the only thing he was missing, he didn't have your beard. I saw that. I saw his like clean shaven me. That was the part that was missing. Yeah, I think I probably got about twenty pounds on him too right now. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen you in person in a while, so I don't know. A little bit bigger bone than he is. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, the uh, uh, Desmond Ritter, former Cincinnati quarterback, had a career day. Falcons came back and won it. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Braves game. The Phillies clearly are, are in Atlanta's head right now, and that needs to change. Uh, tonight, but um, lots of things to get to here uh, this Monday. I, you know, we always try to, and and I don't do the. I guess you and either you or Mad Dog, Phil Mullinax, our award-winning producer, uh, behind the glass. If we had glass, uh, he's somewhere in uh, Greenville, I believe. He uh, um, either he or you titles each. I know it used to be you every time. Do you still do that? Do you still title our podcast after the fact, our show after the fact? That's actually gone to Phil, and he's that's gone to Phil too. Really, really good at it. Yeah, I was going like, to say. I, I mean, because doing, doing that, you eventually run out of ideas. And, and right, so right. Phil, well, Phil's, you did a very good, you did a very good job of it for years, and Phil has been on point with it uh, and coming up with the titles and then kind of a summary of what you're about to listen to for those again that don't catch it live. Uh, and uh, I don't know if this will stick, but when when we were coming up with kind of the show notes, the uh, the night before, my my theme was the more things change, dot, 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 as in the more they stay the same. And, you know, we had two kind of blockbuster games. And I, I hope everybody enjoyed this past weekend of college football because this coming weekend, I'm not saying it's a dud. You, you, you do have a couple of intriguing matchups for certain, but you don't have what you had this past weekend. If you fell asleep early, first off, the, the stuff that was going on out west was – just wildly entertaining, and honestly, I miss most of it. The, nobody plays defense in the pack, so I mean, every game is it's 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 fun. It's it's I shouldn't say nobody. Utah, Oregon, but for the most part, it's like okay, whoever's got the ball last wins the game, and so it always makes for exciting television. You had two blockbuster matchups on paper in the SEC, <clears throat> actually three if you include Ole Miss, LSU, but you had Georgia, Kentucky that turned out to be a dud. And then you had Bama A&M, which certainly lived up uh, to all the hype. You had a ridiculous Joe Pisarczyk-like collapse by the U. So a, a number of guys right now um, spraying for bugs that couldn't tell you where the campus is for the University of Miami, but have big tattoos of the U logo located somewhere on their body. Very distraught after seeing what happened where you basically – all you had to do is take a knee <laughs> – and somehow you you hand it off, fumble, and then allow a guy to get deep uh, to to win the game in the closing seconds. What the hell? What are you doing? That's an undefeated Miami team. Yeek. Um, so you had a lot of good stuff. I don't know if we're going to have that again this weekend. But what I what my point was on the title, the theme, is that Bama is still Bama. Like even when they're not as good as some of the juggernaut teams they have. And there's no Tua, and there's no Jalen Hurts, and there's no Bryce Young. All of a sudden, Milrow figured out how to throw the ball and how to read defenses, and that's trouble for anybody who plays Bama now. So they take care of business in College Station when everybody was ready to to, to run the hype train on the Aggies. And Georgia just reminded everybody, yeah, we, we might be a boring story right now, and you all are tired of talking about us, and we didn't cover the spread a single game before that week. 
George just opened up a can on Kentucky. So here we have it. The top two teams in the SEC are guess who, JC? Who could they possibly be? The dogs and Tide. That's right. That's right. The more things change, the more they stay the same. The Big Ten, it's the same two teams. Maybe Penn State if they do anything. I'm waiting for the Big Ten to get out of their catnap and actually play some really entertaining games. I mean, I looked at the schedule. I just glanced at the schedule when you said that, Mike, and I was like, well, surely Penn State plays somebody this week because I'm on that bandwagon. Now that Texas has, again, disappointed me, and look, there's no shame losing to Oklahoma. It's not like they lost to Kansas State or some of the teams they normally do. But, man, that was a disappointing – I mean, they, it was a great football game, right? Start to finish, Texas OU was a hell of a game. Awesome. Right, great game. Uh, somebody had to lose. But, I mean, I just don't think – I think Texas just blew it again. I mean, now they'll get another chance, probably, because I think those are clearly the two best teams in the Big 12 right now, But uh, which is good for the SEC because <laughs> they're both coming in. But, man, I just um, – what a – so Penn State's now my new darling. So everybody go – bet against Penn State when they finally play somebody. <laughs> they, they, they freaking play UMass this weekend, dude. UMass. Uh, and I'm like, I'm just kind of waiting for the – I mean, I, I guess they end up – I mean, they have to play Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. So, all right, so the 21st, they go to Columbus. And then Indiana, Maryland, and then they play Michigan. They actually don't have a very tough schedule at all outside of Michigan, Ohio State. So, we'll find out. Michigan comes to the Happy Valley, so, but uh, that's my new darling right now since uh, since the Longhorns disappeared. Well, they, they've got to win finally win at least one of those. If, yeah. if they if they lose both of those this year, I vow I'm I'm putting Penn State on five year relevance probation. I, I'm just not going to talk about them for five years. Seriously, <laughs> I mean you've got to win one because they have a quarterback now, and they got talent all around. He's I mean, there's no. There's no Micah Parsons out there, but but they've got talent all around. You got to win at least one of those games. Uh, but the, but the Big Ten, there just hasn't been much to talk about. The Ohio State Notre Dame game was great at a conference, but for the most part, for all the talk about the SEC picking on weak at a conference opponents, Big Ten, seriously, like what what am I supposed to get excited about? It, the rest of the league is is not worth talking about. Iowa is they win games with no offense. It's just boring, dreadful football. Wisconsin still figuring things out. Illinois taking a dip. Um, Rutgers is Rutgers. Nebraska still sucks. Like, what am I supposed to get excited about in that league? And Mar- Maryland, is, yeah. Maryland, yeah. They had, they had their had their moments, but they had their moments, and then and then they they fall. And I, you know, it's nice to have a, a another Tagliolova uh, making noise out there. He's not quite Tua, but he's exciting. He's good, and they got off to a good start. Well, they finally dropped their game. You know, and, and in the ACC, I guess what's new there is Florida State, but how new is that really? Like like I've said for years, that was and that was gonna ha- that resurgence was going to happen. It's it more has. that it's not Clemson this year. I mean, right, it's, exactly. Hey, look, the Tigers, gutty, gritty, whatever kind of win you want to call it, uh, over Wake Forest this past weekend, but Wake certainly has this issue as a quarterback. And I mean, 17 12, that, that's not the same, obviously, not the same Clemson we've been seeing. Uh, but Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, who we'll talk about later, pretty good. Miami, that's who we'll talk story. about, 
uh, Miami, mm. uh, you know, and, and I think, I think Georgia tech's a pretty good story. Now I know it's, we can't talk about them since you're in Atlanta and that's kind of, I, I don't know where they've all gone, you know, <laughs> the yellow jackets, but uh, they're, they're somewhere out there. They don't yeah, show up to games there, and, and they're very smart graduates that get jobs like overseas and I, different I parts of the country. One year they played in the Seattle bowl, like the at Safeco field. They used to have this bowl in Seattle and they played it where the Mariners play baseball and freaking, uh, what's his name? Or what they had, they had probably 12,000 fans there because a lot of the tech grads worked in, that's right. Yeah. Like Microsoft and yeah, companies yeah. like that. That was kind of back when Seattle was more the tech hub compared to Silicon Valley. Uh, and so they, they, you know, I don't know, man. I'm not going to pick on tech. Big win for them. Yeah, no, it's a great moment. I, it, unfortunately for them, the, the what surrounded that game is what what Miami did to basically give it away. I mean, it's up it's it's up to Tech to keep it close, and that's that's kudos to them. And I, it looks like they certainly have their coach now. Um, but the the, the Miami debacle that, that's an all timer. That is an absolute all timer. Uh, the you mentioned Louisville. There's there's two places to go on this, and and again we'll get to the JC five momentarily, but. Louisville is one of the best turnarounds I think people are finally talking about. Like it, it, it took the Notre Dame game for people to really say, oh my goodness, what is Jeff Brom doing? He just comes right in and wins. And for those who don't know, I mean, I go back to Jeff Brom at Western Kentucky and there was there's just that it factor I thought he had there parlays that in the Purdue job. Now, when he was at Purdue, at one point, he was one of the 10 highest paid coaches in college football. Like, it wasn't a bad situation at Purdue, and he had a two-year stretch uh, where they won, I believe, 17 games. That's the most back-to-back wins for Purdue since a guy named Drew Brees was a quarterback. So he did great things there. Then he goes back to Louisville, and this is this is so good and fitting, it's almost cliche, but it's coming back home right? I mean, he was a star quarterback. So was his brother. I think his father was a coach all in the state of Kentucky. Uh, He played at Louisville, was a great quarterback. You know, you and I are old enough to remember him as a player in the in the 90s. I mean, he was lighting up defenses back then. And this guy was just made to be a coach and has done a terrific job. And we'll get to more of that in the JC5. But I'm just wondering, does the criticism of the Notre Dame football coach come now? Like it, 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 it's been a, it's been a nice gravy train of coverage for that hire, which you're Notre Dame. You like to think you can get a really established hot coach, right? I mean, a guy that has credentials beyond belief. Uh, and I can't remember JC who, like how many guys got interviews but Marcus Freeman gets the job. Now, Marcus Freeman is a likable guy. He's a super likable guy. But was Marcus Freeman the best candidate for Notre Dame football? I'm, I'm taking a look at Marcus Freeman's uh, run-up to that job. He was a defensive coordinator in South Bend for one year. He was four years a defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. and obviously did terrific things there. I mean, that's when they were winning a lot of games with that program. Had a couple cups of coffee with Purdue, Kent State. Uh, was a was a fine player back in the day in all 
a Big Ten defensive player during his time at Ohio State. But what what was the what was the sales job to, for the Notre Dame fans to? And we actually have a Notre Dame uh, email. We'll get to in the grab bag. You can always go to jcandmorgan.com and uh, send us an email. We'll get to him later on in the show. What was the sales pitch to the Notre Dame brass that said, "Oh yeah, this is without question the best hire for Notre Dame football"? Mm. Familiarity. Uh, Kelly kind of left at a emotional time. He kept the staff together. I think I think emotions played a large part of it because uh, they were mad that Kelly left, and they were like, "Well, you're not going to take anybody with you," you know. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't really. Kind of a whole new group down at LSU, and they have their own issues, but uh, especially on defense. But uh, you know, I I think there's some growing pains anytime you make a hire like that, unless you go. Unless it's like Bob Stoops at Oklahoma, you know, a younger guy that's not done it before at a job like that. Um, it's tough. And, you know, the, the, the hire probably was overblown. Uh, I think I overrated this Notre Dame team uh, because I have to watch them every week. But look, man, I mean, I, I it, the tape doesn't lie. Line of scrimmage-wise, they were good. They were running it up people's butt. They had a quarterback. But – the red flag for me was this. Number one, we wouldn't have expected going into the season that Duke and Louisville back-to-back on the road would be a gauntlet at night. You look right. at it, you're like, if we're sitting there talking to August, I'm like, Bo, let me just tell you, watch out for at Duke and at Louisville at <laughs> night for Notre Dame, boy. Woo, you'd have been like, you're on, you know, go back to that box you were in this past weekend and have a few more liquor drinks. That's right. That's because right. nobody would have thought that. Well, Turns out, ooh, it's a gauntlet. And I remember Sam Hartman's comment after the game. And see, this is the responsibility of the head coach. This is why, you know, I think the win both falls at the feet of Brom because he's a heck of a coach. And his teams at Purdue came through in moments like that. Remember when they beat the crap out of Ohio State a few years back? Mm-hmm. At home, at night, one of Urban Meyer's teams, 49 to 20. Purdue just waxed them. That's Jeff Brom. You know, and then the head coach for Notre Dame, it's his job to get these guys up. And and they knew the schedule coming into the season. They knew they did not have an – they knew they played in week zero in Ireland, and they did not have an open date till after Southern Cal. They knew it, right? And a few weeks ago, you know, when they put everything into that Ohio State game and lost, little coaching blunders there too, right? They he It's his job as the head football coach, to get them ready to go play. And I don't think they were ready to play against Duke. They were lucky to win that one or fortunate. And they certainly weren't ready against Louisville and all that Louisville brought to the table. So, as the great Bobby Knight said, get your head out of your ass <laughs> and go play football. You know, I mean, that that's, that's the bottom line. And it's cost them a shot at a playoff. I mean, I, I still think that team is awfully good. But you you just – and I know it's hard to get up every single week. But this is college football. There are only 12 games. If you can't get up for all 12, you need to find another profession or find another sport to play. That's, that's only 12 days out of 365. You've got to go play football. You should be for, You should feel fortunate to step on that field, especially at a place like the University of Notre Dame, especially like a place like Notre Dame. It is a privilege to go play, not a, oh, let's hopefully we can get out over our feelings for losing to Ohio State and uh, – and then hopefully, and then get ready for Southern Cal because I guarantee you, 
they'll Southern Cal, they'll play Southern Cal off their feet this, this coming weekend, especially considering Southern Cal does not play defense. They will rush for about 380 yards against Southern Cal this weekend. Watch it. Mark my words. You'll see that team come back. But it's the job of the head coach to get his guys ready each and every week. And they just the last two weeks, they weren't ready. And Sam Hartman's comment after the game against Ohio State tipped me off to that. It was like, we're just going to have to live with this one for a while. No, you, you live to fight another day, brother. Live to f- say, hey, we'll see him again in the playoff. Let's go win. Uh-uh. And the quarterback is the leader of the team player-wise. So that tells you something. This was a Louisville program that, that a year ago got smoked by Syracuse, uh, lost at Boston College, and lost to a very average Kentucky team. They were a five-loss team a year ago. We've, we've talked about this before. They were kind of in the abyss, and nobody expected them to be relevant this year. And they go in, and they beat a Notre Dame. They didn't just beat Notre Dame. They beat them down. I mean, the fourth quarter belonged to Louisville. Notre Dame has got talent. It's the best offensive line in college football. If you go by NFL graphs and charts and prospects and all that good stuff, uh, they finally got their quarterback, Hartman. That's why everybody was so high on Notre Dame, right? Because they, they, that problem solved. Uh, it's like having a coach on the field, and they don't win the Duke game. And they should be sitting on three losses right now, one of which your head coach didn't know that there were only 10 people on the field in the most critical time of the most critical game of the season. They lose four games a year ago, including Marshall at home. Um, and I haven't seen or heard much criticism of all of their head coach. It's like, yeah, no, Mark's right. I heard somebody say the other day on like one of these pregame shows, I mean, we know one thing, Marcus Freeman is a brilliant coach. Really? Based on what? I mean, that kind of stuff just goes on all the time. You just hear people just say stuff. Um, again, just because you're a fan and you want it to work doesn't mean it's actually working. So he might have great, great years and seasons ahead of him. I don't know, but I'm just I'm looking at it like how in the world is Notre Dame sitting where they're at with that talent, and how do they get smoked by Louisville? That, that one is just uh, that's a little bit odd, a little mysterious. One other thing before we uh, kind of break into the JC five, and we'll get to everything that we normally do the JC five around the SEC mailbag. Um, I'm watching Monday Night Football last night, and I'm watching Brock Purdy light up Dallas's defense. And it got me to thinking, like, let's do a little deep dive on Brock. What? How did this kid wind up going to Iowa State? How did this kid wind up going uh, as, a, as a Mr. Irrelevant, the final pick in a seven-round NFL draft? Well, he played his high school career in Arizona for the newly opened Perry High School. Now, that is a 6A school in Arizona. J.C. can speak to the talent level of that state overall much better than I can. Uh, His hometown is Queen Creek, Arizona. He was about uh, a little under 6'1", 200 pounds, coming out of high school. He beats out Zeb Noland and Kyle Kempt. Uh, to win the job his freshman year in 2018. And before you know it, he plays four years because, I mean, nobody ever thought about Brock Purdy leaving early for the NFL draft. Before you know it, they had four winning seasons under his direction. He throws for over 12,000 yards, 81 touchdowns, 33 picks. He's all Big 12 performer. Oh, by the way, they also had a guy named Brees Hall. (laughs) I was now, I mean, for my money, one of the best overall running backs when healthy in the NFL with the Jets. 
So you wonder how Matt Campbell was winning all these games at Iowa State. Great coach, but he also had some NFL talent. Since the NFL talent has left, Matt Campbell has come crashing down to earth. And is probably wondering why he didn't take a bigger job. Uh, but Brock Purdy just continued to win games, put up numbers. But it's Iowa State, so they're never going to be playing for you know huge stakes. They're a nice story, but again, nobody's paying attention to him. And he winds up going in the, in the seventh round of the 49ers, and now he's... I mean, he's undefeated as a starter. He completely outplayed Dak Prescott last night. He People will give credit, and credit is certain. They've got maybe the best offensive play caller in the NFL in Shanahan. But somebody's still got to make those throws, and somebody still has to make some decisions on the fly, and he's doing it. So kudos to, uh, to Brock Purdy, the young man from the state of Arizona whose parents own a uh, hot tub store there. I don't know many people that would want a hot tub in Arizona. But I guess it gets chilly in the upper part of that state, maybe. It's, it's uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, at night, sometimes in the desert. It's not the I mean, I'm a hot good. tub guy. You, you can give me a hot heat. tub and, yeah, I'll take hey, a hot I, tub. I've been out the there Bahamas. before. It's been, it's been like 101 during the day and 68 at night. Yeah. So I, I'll get it. I'll get in the bubbly. I won't okay. do it during the day, but I'll get in the bubbly. Hey, if we can help them sell some units, I'm all for it. Go visit yeah, the uh, no, Purdy no. Hot Tub Store. <laughs> hey, but uh, anyway, well, I mean, amazingly, you brought that up today, Mike, as a deep dive because I got an email from my boy Josh Barton over at SportsBet.ag. Uh, I've mentioned some of his stuff before. I, I, it's very nice, kind of gambling, like odds, kind of strange. Sometimes some odd prop bets and stuff. NFL MVP Brock Purdy four to one in yeah with the top odds, uh, Mahomes is second, Tagovailoa third. Uh, that's Tua. Tag of the other mm-hmm. one plays for Maryland. Jalen right. Hurts, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, right there. So there you go, man. Brock Purdy, and then I see that Jalen Carter, Defensive Rookie of the Year, is one to two odds, and the Bears actually intentionally did not draft him last year, and so. All the goodwill the Bears got me by winning last Thursday night is out the door now because that pisses me off. (laughs) Well, and and the only reason Carter fell is the the off-the-field stuff, and and this seems to happen every year. The Eagles just get people that drop, uh, and and they get them above market value. It was 10th. I mean, the Eagles traded like they swapped picks to get him, and and you know who's – uh, you know, Ryan Poles is the GM, but the president now is that guy that was running the Big Ten, Mr. Genius. So, oh, Kevin Warren. Yeah, That's I don't right. know what Ke- Kevin Warren was probably like, we don't want it. He got off the field. Oh, yeah, really? Really? And they did get Gavin Dexter from Florida and Zach Pickens from South Carolina, two good SECD tackles. There ain't nobody like Jalen Carter in the draft last year. No. He was, I, mean, I, he, I mean, he dropped because of the off the field stuff. He'd have been right, right. overall. If you're the Bears, anyway. He was the most unblockable force in college football. And uh, NFL sometimes, rookie of the year. Yeah, and not surprising. I mean, the the dude is just he's Monster. he's next level. Here, you can feel good about this uh, for your Bears, and that is thanks to the Carolina Panthers. The Bears are likely going to get Caleb Williams because because they get the Panthers pick. They get the Panthers, and I love Bryce Young, but this was not the year. Bryce Young is not Caleb Williams. I'm not sure he's Drake May. Like that was not the year to go all in on a quarterback at number one and trade all your resources. Everybody wants Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams is going to be one of the most highest, one of the highest rated QBs out of college in years. And the Bears are going to have a very good shot at getting him. 
I yeah, it provided yeah, but his dad and then his crew is are they're already complaining about the fact the Bears may get him because the Bears oh, yeah. could have the the number one and two pick. Like I saw a mock the other day, Caleb Williams one, Marvin Harrison Jr. two. That's mm-hmm. going to excite people in Chicago. But I think I think the Williams family because they're making so much money with NIL. Now it's not even close to what a rookie deal for a number one quarterback pick would be. Like you're talking thirty million for a number one signing bonus and all that. I'm, I'm, I'd estimate Caleb's probably making three at LA yeah. and LA for Southern Cal at NIL money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know they're kind of pulling the the Jerry Maguire. Remember the oh it's got or Eli or Eli Manning Cush or Eli Manning oh it's got to be Denver Kush. it's got to be Denver you know I'm getting Cush lash yeah I'm getting Cush lash <laughs> my word is stronger than oak stronger than oak <laughs> stronger than nothing yeah whatever uh, but uh, so anyway it, it, it you know that, that's the thing with the Bears I mean they could end up if they end up not not turning it around uh, and then just but see you look at it and you go well Mitch Trubisky was a failure. Justin Fields obviously is not working out uh, if they go with Williams and get that pick, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see what happens there. But certainly I'm with you, man. The Panthers – and then they got rid of D.J. Moore, who actually is one of the bright spots Who's for awesome. Chicago. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he against the Redskins, man, he turned it up. So anyway, Brock Purdy – we live in a world where Brock Purdy could be the MVP. I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, I, I, you know, I used to not get into the NFL as much. I do now, by the way, we never mentioned the fact you beat me in fantasy football two weeks ago. Thank you for that. <laughs> I lost again this weekend, fell to two and three on the year. Uh, but anyway, I, but I, I, I get more into it. You know, it's been so rewarding. The NFL playoffs the last two years, three years really have been so rewarding. The game's right down to the wire, you know, yeah. upsets, Joel Burrow. You know, I mean, it, it, mm. the playoff magic, man. I mean, it's it's been pretty good. So anyway, it's um, it's a, it's it's a great. I again, I've said this many times. I I understand why some people only choose one. Look, there's so many hours in a in a weekend. You got families, you got things to do. But I think a lot of it is the college game is just better. So I don't I don't care about those NFL guys. They they just play for the money. I'm here to tell you, college football plays for the money now too. And the players are getting plenty of it. Uh, you know, as we've said on this show many times, uh, we're all for it. <laughs> I still think you need a little bit of structure to it. Uh, but but the money is there, free agency with the portal. That's all, it's, it's just mirroring the NFL. So you might as well love both of them. I'll add this, though. If you want to talk about playing for the money and compare the two sports, uh, and this may not like our, uh, our, our people that love college more may not like this. Um, and I'm with you. I love college more, obviously, because I'm from the South, and most of us do, except in Texas where the Dallas Cowboys are kind of the, the biggest cult of them all. But uh, it's uh, – I, I in the NFL, if you don't play hard, you can get cut. That's why you'll turn on a game like in late November with two teams out of the playoffs, and they're out there destroying each other because mm-hmm. it'll be, oh, he's loafing. We're just going to cut him. <laughs> or you so, can't get on, you can't sign with anybody else because you loafed or what your film's bad. So I, I kind of like that that aspect of it. That if you don't, I mean, your contract's never guaranteed in the NFL, unlike other pro sports. So that's right. Well, that's what want, college coaches yeah. tell us, right? Like your scholarships. Not these yeah. kids want. They want all the benefits that NFL guys have without the, some of the repercussions. In the yeah, NFL, yeah. it stands for not for long if you're not producing. 
if your attitude is so crappy that you don't show up to meetings, if you loaf it on plays, uh, if you, if every time you lose a game, you pout and you don't play hard, like all those things, the NFL will get you cut and unemployed. In college, when you sign the NIL deal, <laughs> the player is going to get that money, and he doesn't. It, it's it's right now the coach really has no power. I mean, very limited power. I won't say no power. So, but that's going to. I I truly believe that's going to be um, modified here in a moment. All right, it is JC and Morgan. Uh, presented by, among other terrific sponsors, Chicken Cock Bourbon originated in Paris, Kentucky. You can find Chicken Cock uh, on the Chief Sports app, one of the fastest-growing bourbons in the U.S., smooth, little-to-no aftertaste or bite, serving J.C. and Morgan. Get your Chicken Cock today. The morale of a great nation, as always, relies on the J.C. 5. J.C., we start with numero uno. Yeah, first of all, uh, to uh, since I'm mentioning his alma mater, R.I.P. to Dick Buckus. Yes. Who, did to, who the morale of a great nation did once depend on. <laughs> uh, yes. He, uh, what a player, embodied everything about the game. Uh, a star at Illinois, star for the Chicago Bears. I did think it was poetic Thursday night that the day Dick Buckus dies, the Bears take a can of whoop-ass to the – whatever the Washington team's being called these days. Uh, and, and, and that's Phil's team. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, you, you guys well, had a little back and forth on well, that. Well, me, me and Phil pull for the same teams, except he pulls for the Cubs and I'm a Braves fan or a White Sox fan. So I guess we're more, we're more mortal enemies in major league baseball. Uh, but then, yeah, it's just fun to get bragging rights. I, 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 I'm just kidding. I, I would never rub it in on a, commander slash but by the way whatever. if you've ever been to champaign illinois as i have to, to do a game there's a there's a statue of red grange the galloping ghost and i believe dick butkus dick has a butkus. statue there as well like illinois was once a tremendously proud program with a whole lot of famous alums and uh, they were a force in college football with the exception of uh the jeff george era and then Kevin Turner had like one good year. It was the year LSU under Saban broke through and upset to the 01, 9 11 year. Illinois went to the Sugar Bowl because they, they were second in the Big Ten or something. Uh, John Makovic had some good teams there in the 90s. Ron Zook. Ron Zook had the one year. Zook had that Orange one Bowl. year, and then that's it. Where's the Fiesta? Well, the Rose. They went all the way to the Rose because. Oh, shoot. That's right. The, the Big Ten champ, <laughs> Ohio State, I think, played for all the marbles. I think that was, when was that, 07? Maybe 06 or Yeah. Isaiah. Uh, oh, 07 or 08. Yeah, because they landed Isaiah, Isaiah Williams out of Chicago as their quarterback. And they had, uh, for some reason, they got Aurelius Ben, who was this big stud receiver stud. out of D.C., um, to come to – because Zook – because Mike Loxley was a recruiter on that staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really good. And the OC yeah, they and got some that. talent. So they uh, – yeah, Eric Wolford, who's now the uh, offensive line coach at Bama, was the offensive line coach for, for Zook there, for the Zucker. But they have not been good since. And terrible hire after terrible hire. I was – I had faith in Belima, Man, I mean, because Lovey Smith had that bowl year and then he kind of fell off. And so they had to fire Lovey. And I was like – I thought they should have hired Sean Lewis, who is the OC now at Colorado, because he's fun and – the word fun does not really come into play with Illinois football these days. Uh, and he's a Chicago native. I mean, he's a guy, you know, he's a dude, but I was so proud of the Illini last year and Brett, 
I mean, they had Michigan on the ropes, almost should have won that game, really. It's a bad call, cost them. They did lose the seven loss mail at home, but man, I was encouraged. I was encouraged. I mean, yeah, they dropped the, the bowl game to Mississippi State, but Mississippi State was an inspired team that day. They lost their coach. But man, oh man, the bottom is falling out, Mike. Okay. Toledo, they barely beat. Toledo's a good team for the Mac. Florida Atlantic, Tom Herman, they barely beat. Other than that, waxed by Kansas, waxed by Penn State at home, waxed by Purdue on the road, 44-19. And then against Nebraska with one of the worst offenses in the country, they lose 20-7 to and only rush for 15 yards. I mean, if Brett Belima's team can't run the football, what does that say? Uh, I am I am putting the Illini on bottom-falling-out concern. Right yeah. now with this two and four start. And unlike the rest of the Big Ten, man, they actually have played some good teams. <laughs> but uh hey, Penn State, Kansas, I mean, but shoot, man. It it looks uh, this a is lot not like what I expected. It looks a lot like the tail end of, of Bielema at Arkansas, where it started off mm-hmm. so good and that felt like I remember when that hire was made. Uh and the A D uh was it Long? I, for, I forgot the first name. Anyway. Yeah, um, Jeff Long. Jeff Long. And Jeff Long was another guy. Like at the, we talk about ads a lot in in the 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 incorrect assessments of ads. Disaster. Like Jeff Long for a time there was known as one of the most brilliant ads in the SEC, and he could do no wrong. And then it was like, he wasn't even bad hire, bad hire. And then he went, then he goes to Kansas and completely screws it up and gets fired. That's and right. look, and, and he, he wasn't even good when he was like the chair of the NCAA men's basketball. No, team. no. Or, or yeah. the, or the. I think he was. I think he was chair of the playoff committee too one year. Didn't even have any good answers there. So that's right. Yeah, that's there right. You go. There, there's yeah. your all star AD. There's your all star AD. I mean, like people just they make these random assessments on what is a good AD and is a bad AD. And I mean, he had, he had the. He had the magic touch, um, and and then he didn't. But but when they hired like. That just seemed like a it can't not work higher, uh, and I if I'm Brett Beal, I bet I wake up every morning thinking I should have just stayed at Wisconsin. Why didn't I just stay in Madison? Was it really worth the extra one point eight or whatever the hell he did extra to take that Arkansas job? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't just money. The allure of the SEC, I get that. But Bielema's best bet was to just stay in Madison. It fit his profile and DNA. Everything about Wisconsin football pre-Phil Longo fit what he is, and it fit Wisconsin, and he was doing well there. Sometimes the grass is not greener. Sometimes well, like, you just stay where you are. Here's what killed him, Mike. Uh, so he would go down to South Florida, Wisconsin, and get these running backs. Like I don't know if you remember Giovanni Bernard. And then there oh, was sure. another another Tar-heel. guy named Zach, Zach Zach Brown, something like that. Uh, it was his backup that was just as good, and and so they went and got Brown and Bernard uh, from St. Thomas Aquinas. You're familiar with that school, oh yeah. Uh, sure you know not. they had two backs, and and I remember that the, the second one. I was like, this kid's really good. I think it's Brown. I probably got the name wrong, but uh, was, I think it was Zach Brown. Maybe anyway. So he'd go down there and get in. They go down there and find like these three star defensive backs that could come up in the cold and play ball and ball. And, and the recruiter, uh, his name escapes me too, but Standridge, Standridge, something like that. Uh, Pat Patrick, Charlie Patch Partridge, Partridge. So his later South became Florida the coach recruit- at FAU. Yeah, South Florida recruiter came with him, right? Because the model to for Arkansas to compete in the SEC. It's probably similar for the to our, you know, be different, 
to get a big offensive line, get talented running backs, and then go. You have to go out evaluate everybody. You know, you got to go go to South Florida and get the guys that go to UCF and help them go undefeated. You got to go into Georgia. They had Sam Pittman as their offensive line coach at this time, right? Mm. Uh, so Sam Pittman's going all over the country, getting these big uh, – going to Minnesota, going to Missouri, uh, going down to South Florida, and, and they were recruiting on the offensive line at a high level. They signed Alex Collins, even though his mother wanted him to go to Miami and stole the NIL, and it took two days to track it down. Alex Collins signed and was a great running back for them. Things are going to – well, then Partridge took the FAU job. And he's gone. Sam Pittman goes someplace, goes to Georgia. So he's gone. So there's just, there's just, there's just, there's two guys. And then, so they just started going all over the map, desperately going into Louisiana. And, and the recruiting fell. It was easy. There, there were no Jimmys and Joes there to run that system because you have to, you have to have be big and beefy and you have to pound it and all that. Uh, so that hurt him there. Um, I thought surely Illinois in year, what is it, year three? Under him would be good. I mean, I remember reading some articles in the Athletics singing his praises. Um, but now I'm back to after being very proud of him and, and the job he's done to saying, "Why didn't you hire Sean Lewis? You've been irrelevant. You've been playing. He wanted man- the job. Sean yeah, Lewis you, you, wanted that job. You've been playing this man rock, throw rock, Flintst- Flintstone football under Lovey Smith, and before that, Tim Beckman, sociopath." I don't know if he's a sociopath or not, but they said he was. In practice, he got fired for abusing players. I mean, that's not work. So, anyway, that's my take on Illinois. You I can't confirm like his me- his mental state of mind, just for the yeah, record. We're I, not doctors, I, 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 but, uh, let's say he was accused of being a sociopath. There you go. Anyway, I, I, that's my yeah. – that's my. I mean, you know, you've been playing this this boring style of football. The last time you were relevant, Loxley was running a spread zone read with a dynamic quarterback and throwing it to a stud receiver. Jeff George was the time way back then when you were good, and he chucked it all over the yard. Come on, man. Uh, so anyway, I'm Jeff George was a sociopath. Yeah, <laughs> had, had a had an incredible had, had one of the prettiest fall him and Warren Moon. Mm. Through maybe the prettiest ball I ever saw in in my childhood, you know, you remember things, unique things when you're that age. Like you just the the, the rotation of the ball and the the spiral that those guys. Uh, if George wasn't such a knucklehead, Jeff George had a Hall of Fame arm, uh, but it was a little nuke Lelouch to use a Bull Durham reference. If you case you haven't wondered, folks, if you're new to this podcast, JC and I love college football. That's why we are all over the friggin' map, and we don't apologize for it because you never know where we're going to go. You can find 100 other college football podcasts that are just going to talk about the top five schools every week ad nauseum. We don't do that. Uh, and on that uh, note, before we get into the JC5, you know, I pick a different stadium every week to feature on the show for those watching us on uh, the YouTube channel. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Williams Stadium behind me. See that behind me? And you see flames in the end zone. I know you know what that is, JC. That is the home of the Liberty Flames, the 5-0 and Liberty Flames. I had to be honest, I was a little rusty on what conference they're playing in. But when in doubt, if, if you just feel like there's a college that doesn't quite fit in a particular league since they moved to FBS, if you guess Conference USA, you'll be right nine times out of ten. They are in first place ahead of Jacksonville State, another program that I wasn't entirely sure was in Conference USA. I wanted to say they were in the Sun Belt, which is probably where they should be. But Liberty leading Jacksonville State, Western Kentucky, La Tech, New Mexico State, because they're New Mexico State, Middle Tennessee State, UTEP, Sam Houston, 
who's 0-5 in Conference USA, and FIU in the serene state uh, streets of Miami. But uh, Williams Stadium, now 30,000 uh, seats strong, has been around there um, since 1989. That's when they built it, and uh, congratulations to Liberty off to a great— I've never been to Lynchburg or to Liberty. I know this much, though. I got a lot of money. I got a lot of money, and they're not afraid to spend it on sports. And I knew the former athletic director, Jeff Barber, there. And I can tell you there was pressure on him by a lot of the alums to go. They wanted to, like, make a Power 5 play. You couldn't convince some Liberty fans that they don't belong in, like, the Big 12 or something. Slow your roll. You are FBS. You got a chance to dominate USA. Kudos to the Flames. 5-0 on the season. Speaking of five, we're way overdue for the JC5. Let's get into it, number one. Well, my Illinois rant was number one, so scratch oh. that. Well, we got JC that four. out of the way. Number By the two. Way, their coach, Jamie Chadwell, 104-57 and 57 for Liberty. I mean, I mean, so overall, 5-0 at Liberty this year. All he does is win, win, win. I mean, one at Coastal. One He's at a Char- different dude. You know Charleston Southern is a rough job. I mean, it's, it's probably the worst small school job in South Carolina, went 35 and 14 there and went to the playoffs. North Greenville was a god awful job. Uh, won 22 games there in three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it weren't for a two and eight, he went 20 and six his last two years at North Greenville. He's a winner, folks. He's definitely he is an absolute a, winner. Um, he's an absolute winner, stone cold winner. Got a chance to call his, his bowl victory, the first and only in coastal Carolina history. And what I like about him, I mean, he doesn't play the game. I mean, it's truly a this is what you get. Like I, I'm kind of a jeans and meat and potatoes guy, and you know, I, maybe I'm not. If you're just looking to hire somebody based on their ability to fundraise, I'm probably not your guy. Somebody who's going to press the flesh and you know be real buttoned up on pro. But if you want somebody who can coach up ball plays and win games, I'm your guy. And that's that's Chadwell in a nutshell. Says he's making four million a year at Liberty Four. That's, that's more than Coastal was able to conference pay, USA sure. salary, dude. That's pretty pretty stupid. Not All right, so. He's making more than he's making more than some power five coaches in conference yeah. USA at Liberty. Again, no they doubt. got money. They got speaking, money. Speaking of coaches and, and moves they made last year, we've talked about Jeff Brom in Louisville. So some of the, it's two parts to this, Mike. Jeff Brom is home and dangerous. And by the way, because I've made that drive at least six times in the past six months. The drive between West Lafayette, Indiana, and Louisville, Kentucky is one of the worst drives in the country. It's even worse now. I think they got all their stimulus money in Indiana, and every 20 miles there's road construction. Uh, you get through Indiana, and well, West Lafayette's on the Chicago end now. It's before you, you go Windmill Farm, West Lafayette, Indianapolis, and then – Road construction, and then you're in Louisville, so it's not that far of a drive. But anyway, and those of us I, that live in Atlanta don't want to hear about traffic. Okay, you're not getting any sympathy around here. But you're not rolling through cornfields, but it's a parking lot. That doesn't make any sense to the brain. <laughs> I understand at 285. I mean, I've been I've been dealing with 285 all life, man. But dude, I just anyway. So he got in the car, went on down to Louisville, and he's needed. I mean, he turned down that job once, and I like to see it when guys go home. 
it doesn't always work out, but I like to see it when guys go home. I was, you know, when Spurrier took the Florida job years ago, I thought that was great. I thought Scott Frost going to Nebraska was a great thing, right? But this guy, okay, so we always talk about path of least resistance. In the ACC, I think I think it's easier to win at Louisville in the ACC than it is to Purdue in the Big Ten, right? Purdue's not historically that great. Agreed. Um, but man, oh man, they, 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 the offense he runs is perfect for that school. It's been, it's been the kind of the, the blueprint for anyone that's won there. The fans love him. What a great matchup and what a great start to him. And then I'll piggyback it on top of this. Don't look now, man. The, the ACC's got some pretty good football teams this year. I mean, we, I probably would have ranked it fifth out of five, uh, at, at the beginning of the year, but man, North Carolina's legit. Louisville's legit. Uh, I think Florida State's obviously legit. Clemson's still there, you know. Duke is legit, in my opinion. Miami. They were legit. What a catastrophic loss. Georgia Tech's getting better. Uh, I put a positive spin. Georgia Tech is getting better. Sure. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know the, when Pitt is kind of one of your bottom teams, um, and they're usually just, just solid. You know, that, that means your conference is coming up. So congratulations to them, to Braum, and to the ACC. Uh, totally with you. I, again, that and, and like you said, it doesn't always work just hiring the prodigal son to come back home. Uh, Scott Frost is a classic example of how bad it can go. Ray Goff at Georgia. Could anybody argue that that was not a terrible hire, that mm. you have all that talent in Georgia and all those facilities – and all he did was continually get pantsed by Steve Spurrier and lose disappointing games to Georgia Tech. And I mean, I don't think Georgia could ever be as bad. And I say bad, it's all relative. They won a lot of games uh, under Ray Goff, but my goodness, you, 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 you should be able to just turn the lights on and win nine a year in Athens, right? I mean, just be able to put the lights on at the practice field at night and you can win the, nine. The current guy's an alum, though, and that's worked out pretty well. That's worked out really well. Yeah, so I mean, it's I don't know what the what the exact ratio is, but uh, it, it's not a guarantee. But Brom at and and they'll pay like they again they got yeah. money. I, I, people say basketball school, uh, j- just like we talked about the top salaries of football coaches. Bob, excuse me, Mark Stoops is top ten in the country. He's the football coach at Kentucky. He makes more money now than Calipari does. So uh, those basketball schools still have horse and bourbon money. And not afraid to spend it. Yeah, the state of Kentucky cares about football. It is—it's a basketball state. Don't get me wrong, but man, they, they did. It's not like they don't show up for football, unlike Indiana, except for Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, speaking of Georgia alums, this goes to my next one. Mike Bobo, probably sick and tired of hearing people criticize him. Right? <laughs> what a game offensively for the dogs, uh, Mike. This may be one of those things where I've said. Georgia's going to get better and better as the year goes on because they're young, but they're talented. We we may be seeing the beginning of uh, another run from these guys because that I, I saw a Georgia win coming. And I even thought they'd cover the fourteen and a half, but I thought it'd be kind of like a seventeen ish. Not not that not against that bunch from Kentucky that's always fundamentally sound. I mean they they rose on up. They did, and uh, yeah. For those that don't know, we do picks on a, on another show. <clears throat> 
second five and zero uh, to start the season. But um, I also had Georgia winning. But I, where I was completely wrong, and you know I love to talk about where where I was wrong more than I do where I was right. It makes for better radio. Uh, I thought Brad White and Kentucky, if they were they were going to get beat, but they were not going to let Brock Bowers go off. Well, as you'll hear later in the boss segment. Uh, Brock Bowers went off again to the tune of seven catches, 132 yards. And the way they use him, this is the credit to Mike Bobo. There's a there's a way to use a guy like that. It's kind of like Tyreek Hill or the Dolphins. If you see the way Miami uses him, and they might have the best head coach play caller in the league at that level. You, you don't just allow him to, to line him up at the same spot on the field every time, allow a corner and a safety to shade over it. They don't do that with Bowers. He'll be in the backfield one play. He'll be in motion the next play. He'll be online one play. He'll be in the slot the next play. You just never know. And so you can do a bunch of film work and a bunch of uh, game planning where you say, we're not going to let Brock Bowers beat us. And he's still beating people when they need to. It's not like Auburn didn't know in that fourth quarter of that game that Brock Bowers was going to be the guy. They still couldn't stop it. They still could not stop it. And Mike Bobo... For those that remember the first stint at Georgia, he was a whipping boy. I mean, anything that went wrong, it was never Rick's fault. It was almost it was always Mike Bobo's fault, which I'm sure he got more than sick of and eventually leaves and takes the head coaching job, winds up bouncing around, goes to South Carolina for a bit. Anyway, comes back to Georgia, and I can tell you living in Atlanta, there were some people here, oh, not Bobo again. Ugh. Mike Bobo's a hell of a coach, folks. I mean, he just is. And he fits in line with the way Kirby wants to win games at Georgia. They have not gone the way of almost every other top-notch program, which is pass-happy, a lot of spread. Uh, they still believe in the tight end. They still believe in a fullback from time to time. Remember, the, remember that position they call fullback? Uh, Mike Bobo does all that. And they still pile up a lot of points. So uh, I'm with you. Uh, kudos to, to Bobo. And, again, Georgia put on an absolute display offensively against Kentucky. All right. So uh, wrapping up the JC5, look, Southern Cal better watch it. So, 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 I'm just going to say USC, Southern Cal, whatever. We, we, we have to say, I have to say Southern Cal on the other show. Uh, USC, they, they, they don't believe in defense out there. Getting into a shootout with freaking Arizona is inexcusable, right? There's been a problem with Lincoln Riley's teams at Oklahoma. I think it's magnifies, magnified a bit. We've talked about the Oregon defense, Mike, but I'm going to give you a rising star in coaching, somebody that actually deserves it. <laughs> somebody that's new. That's new. De'Anton okay. Lynn. De'Anton Lynn, baby. Safety's coach for the Ravens, Chip Kelly, hires him to run the UCLA defense. The Bruins, the mighty Bruins, uh, although they did lose a defensive struggle to Utah, 14-7, they knocked off previously unbeaten Washington State, holding up to 17. They are fifth in the nation in total defense, Mike. First in the nation in this very, very important stat, which I always like to look at, yards per play. They're yeah. better than Penn State. They're better than Ohio State. They're better than Clemson. They're better than Georgia. They're better than everybody. You know, your Notre Dame, you name it. SC better watch out, man, or you're going to not only lose to the Ducks, who you were bitching and moaning about joining the, the Big Ten with you because you, you don't really like them because they've beaten you, but your rivals from across town, they're playing defense. Mm. They're playing defense. And uh, that there's something teams that play defense are going to give Southern Cal problems. 
teams that don't play defense are just going to get in a shootout and lose. But I, I'm telling you, watch out, watch out for UCLA. Watch out for UCLA. And of course, and they might lose the to Notre Dame this weekend uh, as yeah. well. And oh, by the way, the guy that replaced Lincoln and Norman, they just played a hell of a game of defense yeah. against Texas. I mean, they they basically, that's Quinn Ewers' worst game of the year, one of the worst of his career. Got outplayed by Dylan Gabriel. Uh, but but there, and, and again, there are a lot of people who don't like Brent Venables for other reasons that have nothing to do with football. When you hear people in our, our chosen profession teeing off on him in year one in Norman and actually saying he should be fired, and that that did happen. That that I I remember it. It it was a real thing. Uh, Brent Venables is going to be just fine. That was. <laughs> you remember me saying that about a hundred times, JC. Brent Venables in Oklahoma is going to be just fine. And they are now undefeated. Those teams are probably going to meet again in the Big 12 championship game, which I don't know if I really like, to be honest with you. Like, they just settled it on a neutral field, and Oklahoma won one of the best games of the year. But now they're probably going to do it all over again. But that is how you play D in a big-time game. You're not going to shut out Texas, but, man, they made life awfully difficult for the Longhorns, and they were just better. That was a, a, a really fun game to watch in Dallas in the Cotton Bowl. All right, we are well over time. That's okay. It's, sometimes that's just how we roll on J.C. and Morgan. Quick timeout. We'll go around the SEC on the other side. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Presented by Lifetime Fitness, a premier athletic country club. Amazing amenities. There's, there's seven of them in Atlanta. Uh, I first got introduced to Lifetime from a buddy of mine that lives in Memphis, and there's one right there in, in Collierville. And the moment you walk in, you realize it's just it's different. Uh, their Life Spa, Life Cafe, uh, available to both members and non-members. They offer kids classes, swim lessons, over 100 weekly group fitness classes and programs taught by the best performers in the area. Uh, again, it's just state of the art. Uh, I go to the one in Sandy Springs, not far from uh, here in Brookhaven. You can visit lifetime.life for more information. And for those of you that want a shared co-working space, that's a big thing these days. They will not be outdone in that area either. Great conference rooms, quiet phone booths, full-service kitchens with complimentary snacks and coffee. And, yes, that includes access and membership to the athletic country clubs as well. For more information, you can call 404-446-9475, 446-9475. Visit lifetime.life and tell them you heard about it here on JC and Morgan. Great people and uh, terrific state-of-the-art facilities for lifetime fitness hey folks want to tell you about our friends at titan construction group really quick they're a mid-atlantic based general contractor specializes in retail restaurant and office construction tcg strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process 
from project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction. They focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, Titan cginc.com that's titancginc.com get in touch with brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients that's titan construction group a proud sponsor of the jc and morgan podcast south carolinians this message is for you as well as for people in georgia florida and tennessee if you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. All right, back with you here on JC and Morgan. Hope everybody is doing well out there. Another week passed in college football and another week ahead to discuss here on the program as we go around the SEC, presented by Lifetime Fitness. Uh, seven locations in the Atlanta area. The Sandy Springs one is mine. And if you want to, to also enjoy a shared co-working space, which has become a very popular thing now, Spaces complete with conference rooms, quiet phone booths, full-service kitchen, complimentary sacks, snacks and coffee, etc. Check out uh, Lifetime Fitness. The number uh, for the Sandy Springs location is 404-446-9475. That's 404-446-9475. And you can tell me you heard about uh, them on J.C. and Morgan. Around the SEC in the conference that uh, has produced many champions here of late and for a while was producing several undefeated teams. Well, we're now down from five to two. 
It just whittled down that quickly. Missouri loses, Kentucky loses, and Texas A&M loses in really the game of the week uh, for the Southeastern Conference. JC, when you watch that game and you you look at Alabama, you ha- you said to yourself, okay, and I think this is why so many people were jumping on the A&M pick in general, is that, okay, Milrow can only do so much. A&M's defense is salty. And Max Johnson is certainly good enough to make plays. Advantage A&M. There are also some weird rumors that were coming down the pike. I don't know if, if you heard any of these, JC, and I don't – they obviously weren't any legitimacy to them, but, but Nick Saban even had to address a question about it. There were some people hinting that uh, Milrow had a hamstring issue. Well, if he did, he didn't show it on Saturday. So the point spread went from – it just kept dropping and dropping and dropping, and all the quote-unquote smart money – was going on uh, A&M, and obviously that didn't turn out to be true. I hope if you did bet on that and you lost money, it wasn't because of a bad rumor, just because you thought A&M was better, and the game was in College Station. But Bama was was back to Bama, J.C., and, and right now I don't think there's uh, any way that they get derailed from playing in Atlanta once again. Amazing game. I mean, if you'd have told me Bama was only going to rush for 23 yards net, I'd have been like, oh, they're going to – this may be one of the more ugly losses Nick Saban's ever had. It wasn't. It was a win. Um, and somebody did say uh, – I, I think it was it was either Michael Bratton or, or Josh Pate, one of those guys, uh, that, I, that I like and respect. They said people spent all week talking about Texas A&M's defensive front. They didn't spend enough time talking about Bama's. Uh, and, and they're right. You know, the, the Alabama defensive line was very good uh, all the way across the board. The second day, the defense in general was just salty. I mean, uh, A&M averages 1.9 yards per carry. Le'Veon Moss pretty much held in check the whole day. And then Milrow um, and Jermaine Burton, uh, who, remember, was a starter for Georgia on their national title team. Weirdly enough, two years ago, and then in a transfers, and the kid's from California, so I was like, well, he'll probably go back home or something. Now he just headed west and stopped in Tuscaloosa and said, well, here I am, folks. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, nine for 197, went off. Best game I've seen him play in a long time because I had some questions about him. And then Isaiah Bond is a good young player. For, so they're starting to get those receivers kind of going, especially those two. You know, and, and they did what it took and won the football game. I mean, that was a, you know, Saban lamented the, the mistakes the Tide made, but that's a gritty, gritty freaking win, man. A gritty win. And, you know, you start to think, well, you know, it's Alabama. These kids all came there kind of expecting to win. They didn't look that good uh, against Texas. They, they didn't look that good at all against South Florida. You kind of wondered. Uh but to go in there and pull out a win like that, that's that's a man enough win, Mike. A man enough win. They went in there and beat the Aggies. And, you know, now if you're A&M, you're kind of back. All that momentum, you you, you kind of gained there for a while. You're kind of back to square one with a 2-1 and one conference record, 4-2 and two overall, kind of out of the playoff picture. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where these two teams go from here. And, again, they didn't win in spite of Milrow. He was a big reason why they won. He threw for over 300. He was really good. Uh, he's People were, were just railing on Nick Saban because he had the unmitigated gall to play other quarterbacks in a game they knew they'd win. 
uh, against South Florida. That gave two, – two things happened out of that. It gave everybody confirmation that Milrow is clearly the best quarterback of the three they have on the roster. And it also allowed Milrow to kind of sit back, uh, learn a little bit, learn from it. Sometimes you learn from just watching the game on the sideline and kind of picking up on some things. Uh, he's a much different player now, which is scary for opponents of Alabama. Uh, I mean, really, you know, we we could be talking. I'm just saying this is this is going to sound kooky, kooky crazy. We could be talking about a possibility in December. A lot of things can happen in the next month and a half where Alabama could not only make it to Atlanta, but even be a slight favorite against Georgia. I, I'm just I'm just saying it's possible. That's all. Could be. I mean, they they still got some challenges left on their schedule, uh, including LSU. But that game's in Tuscaloosa, and I mm-hmm. don't know. Right now, I would not give LSU a nickel's chance to go in there and win. They've already beaten Ole Miss. Uh, you know, Tennessee. That's going to be that game. Actually, historically, when it's when it's the, while Tennessee was on the big losing streak. Lane Kiffin almost won there once, and Champions of Life almost won there once. I mean, Bama was fortunate. So the block uh, it, kick, you know, right? Yeah, the block kick, and then, gosh, when was it? Twenty fifteen. That was that was Champions' best, probably one of his better teams uh, at Tennessee. Uh, they went. Bama goes down the field. I mean, Bama had to have a last minute drive to win, uh, and so that. So, so, so my point is. Sometimes it's a little closer in Tuscaloosa historically, but you know you're right. I mean, and, and I don't say this too. I, I'm a you, you guys know I love geography. A geography kind of still is is the foundation of college football in a lot of ways. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with their, where guys are from. A kid from Katy, Texas, going back to his own state because uh, that's where Milrose's from. Having his best game warms my heart. That's yeah. good. So hats off to him. I know Bama recruits a ton of kids out of town. I know Jalen Hurts was from Texas and all that, but uh, pretty happy for him. Uh, considering, you know, he's not a guy like Hurts who immediately got the starting job and was good. Yeah, it's taken him some time, obviously, but to go in there and have a game like that in his home state, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Bama will host Arkansas uh, Saturday at noon. They're about a three-touchdown <laughs> favorite in that one. And, Dude, the Hawks. Yeah, this is – Again, Arkansas two and four, likely going to fall to two and five. And and I said this weeks ago, and it's it's the the Sam Pittman um, love is starting to go sour, and, and I'm not justifying it because I think Sam Pitt, Pittman's done good work there. But I do know Arkansas fans are like a lot of other fan bases; they feel like they should be better than what their record is. Uh, they feel like they should be playing for higher stakes even though that hasn't happened in Fayetteville for quite some time. Uh, it's, I don't know if the rest of the year is going to be kind to Sam Pittman. Let's just put it that way. You know, we say that, Mike. I'll, I'll say this, though. Yeah. Once you get through Alabama, because their mm-hmm. schedule's a little bit weird, uh, and this could be one of those things where we're sitting there talking about the great finish. All right, so it gets easier. Mississippi State comes to Fayetteville. At Florida, Florida's – Right now, to me, is a different team at home than they are on the road, but they still struggle at home sometimes. That's a winnable game. Uh, Auburn comes to Fayetteville. FIU comes to Fayetteville, and Missouri comes to Fayetteville. So you may can find a way to get six out of that. I'm just saying. Just don't. don't I, I don't disagree uh, with you. But, but at but, the same time, yeah, I understand the disappointment. 
Well, I mean, let, let's say let's say your your um, hypothetical reigns true, and they go six and six. You think anybody in Fayetteville is going to be happy about that? I would hope they would be. I mean, you know, the only criticism I really have of the guy and and they're scoring points. Um, <clears throat> it looks like it actually played better on defense against Ole Miss, but uh, is is I, I don't know that they made the right move moving KJ Jefferson into the Dan Enos offense, which is heavily predicated on run pass options and, and things like that that aren't. I just don't know that they're that that's their strength, you know. And then you know you got to take into account too. Rocket Sanders hasn't been out there, so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, is yeah. it gonna? I don't know that fans these days are going to quiet down no matter what. If they sense that they could do better elsewhere, which I don't know, I don't know what direction Arkansas would go. Then you know maybe they do get upset. But uh, and look, if they lose out and they're sitting there at three and nine, I mean. I understand the criticism. I still don't think you fire him right now, but, uh, I, but I'm I not it. calling for that at all. I I oh, just I, know. Yeah. I just know that fan base, uh, and I can just I can just feel, you know, you 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 start to feel it starts to become tangible where it's not just a like uh, Little Rock sports talk radio type of deal, but it's a it starts to spread like wildfire as these things do, and. All of a sudden, it's well, hell, six and six. We're Arkansas. Wasn't that long ago we won a national title with Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson? I mean, we we can do better than it. Wasn't that long ago Bobby Petrino was, yeah, he was a jerk and he was a shady fella, but we were doing a lot of good stuff over there. Hell, even Houston Nutt had some some success over at Arkansas. I it just, I don't know if six and six is going to make those folks happy or even content at this point. Um, but we shall see. We shall see. I, your your point is one hundred percent valid. It, six and six is a hell of a lot better than five and seven. Because if you go to a bowl game, it gives you know it just gives you a chance to stay relevant and you get those extra practices and all that good stuff. But five and seven just feels very very poor. Um, Georgia Vanderbilt at noon will get things started. Vanderbilt, I you know I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. You know they're zero and seven against the spread this year. <laughs> I'm not surprised because they've Shit, gotten buddy. blown out in the in the tough games, and then they lost the winnable games. So yeah, that sounds about right. They're well, they're thirty one and a half point underdogs. So maybe Georgia will have a little mercy. That's a CBS game, by the way. I think the rule is Vandy's got everybody's got to be on CBS at least once. So once CBS is like- used. Every two or three years. What's every? It's like every three. Is years. that right? Okay. The last time they were on CBS, Bama came to town and they were undefeated. And Derry Mason talked smack during the game. During oh, the game yeah. And got beat sixty-two to nothing. Yeah, not nothing. Not not good. See, Derek's in the booth now. He's now he's he's out of coaching and he's he's breaking down stuff wow, on TV. Hope he's all right. Yeah. So. Uh, That'll be the first of a doubleheader on CBS. You can watch Georgia Vanderbilt. There'll be about uh, 90% of that crowd will be wearing red and black and barking like dogs. Uh, Arkansas, Alabama, that's at noon. We talked about that one. Florida, South Carolina, 3.30 on the SEC Network. The Gamecocks, a two-point favorite. This is one of those games where – the losing fan base, it's going to be just 
ugly. Look, I know how the Gamecock message board can get after a loss. Don't get me wrong. It is nothing compared to the Florida message board after a loss. That's right. Because the difference is most, most intelligent Gamecock fans believe they have their coach, I think. I don't think most Florida fans believe that. And they may not. Honestly, Florida needs an offensive-minded coach. It's going to be cutting edge. They need Sean Lewis, right? (laughs) And they need to stop getting – there's only going to be one Urban Meyer era at Florida. Florida recruits itself. Let Dan Mullen go recruit. Why didn't you let Dan – just let Dan Mullen go find players like he normally does. He's going to coach good enough to beat these teams. He had one bad year. Anyway, we'll get into that in the offseason. Once the book on Napier is written this season, but man, Florida people they get they get vicious. Like well, I've never some of the stuff on their message board, man. I'm like, wow. Dude. I mean, it, it, look, the Gamecock message board will melt down in a heartbeat. Don't get me wrong, but Florida's a different. They'll melt down in game like you've never seen. And for those that don't know, because I realize we pick up new listeners every week, JC works for 24/7 yeah. Sports, runs a website on 24/7, has access to all these things. And I'm sure you peruse from time to time, if for no other reason, entertainment purposes. So you 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 know the you've got your finger on the pulse of message board mania. Um, and let it let let me be clear. I don't think there should be any hot seat at all for Billy Napier in year two. I think that's insane. I think it's legitimate to say he may be the right guy. He may not be the right guy. Like it's okay to have doubts. Uh, what is he? 10 and 9 now with one win coming away from the swamp. These are the kind of games that they hired Billy Napier to win. So, you laid an egg against Kentucky. I, I know, dude, but like I'm going to say this next year is a landmine. It's a, it is like the, the, the Magnot line in World War II or one or whatever it was. Magnot, like Magnot. <laughs> However you say it, the French. Isn't place. that a steak? I had that the other day, medium rare. I bet it was delicious. But it was no, scrumptious. I mean, you are talking. All right, so look at Florida's schedule next year. Non-conference. Miami, UCF, and Florida State. And Florida State, yeah. In conference, Georgia, Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Texas yeah, <laughs> brutal. It's the most. They, they could go seven and six next year and be twice as good as they were this year. I mean, twice brutal. as good. They do have an excellent quarterback coming in, five star kid out of Texas that could be a game changer. Is that Lagway. Yeah, but it it's dude that they, they I, I I'd be trying to at least buy that UCF game. I mean that they lost to them in the bowl uh, with Mullins uh, Mullins uh, interim coach lost to them in the bowl a couple years ago. And they just destroyed. I mean, they were they, they destroyed that guy. I mean, they were. Well, I'm glad he's not staying. I'm glad he doesn't have a job. Imagine if they lose to UCF at home in October. Yeah, that would not be good. And and UCF is bound to be better than they are this year. We actually have an email on that that we'll also get to. I would just say one last thing on this game to each fan base. Uh, one the the fan base that loses. Is is going to go haywire? Not just on message boards, but in general. Like you shouldn't be shocked. This is about a pick'em game, right? I mean, if it's in the swamp, Florida'd be a slight favorite. It's at Williams Bryce. Carolina's a slight favorite. This goes back to my theory: like these tier two teams, 
if you put them all in a hat, there's not much separation. There, there just isn't. So, like, if you saw Florida beat Tennessee, you saw Tennessee beat Carolina, you saw Kentucky whoop up on Florida, you saw Georgia just annihilate Kentucky and remind everybody that they're not in the same quest. Like, the Tier 2 teams, uh, it's, it's all just how, it, how the ball goes that given day. Do you call the right plays? Do you avoid the mistakes? But not, not, neither one of these teams are much more talented than the other. Now, I do think Carolina has the better quarterback, although I will say Graham Mertz has played better than I thought he would. He's actually been pretty good. But Spencer Rattler is more talented. But I think Florida overall, you know, they've got a better running game. They've got maybe some better weapons on defense. Carolina hasn't really played defense all year. Not good defense. Not the kind of defense you need to win big games. So I think that'll be a, a, one of the more interesting ones between Florida and Carolina. That'll be 3.30. Auburn, LSU. We talked about LSU some. Look, this is – I will say this about the LSU Ole Miss game. Excuse, excuse me, the uh, LSU-Missouri game. And you know we love Coach O on this show. Love him. Coach o. Big, I, I love Coach O. That is the game that they would lose if Coach O was still in Baton Rouge because that team would have folded because they've already lost all their chances of doing all the things they hoped, playing in Atlanta, playing in the playoff. None of that's going to happen. Jane Daniels is playing like a Heisman Trophy winner, but it's going to be hard to win it on a team that's going to lose minimum two games and not play for high stakes. But they went in there and they fought and they fought and they took, they took Como's best punch and they came out of there with a win. So kudos to LSU for not laying down. Uh, they'll host Auburn, uh, LSU, an 11-point favorite in that game. Missouri is at Kentucky. Uh, intriguing matchup. Intriguing matchup for sure. Ray Davis bottled up uh, as we thought he would be against that Georgia D, but he's still a weapon. Missouri's D ain't Georgia's D. This just in. And Burdett is one of the top wide receivers that a lot of people across the country still don't know about. Uh, he is electric. A couple of five and one teams. That'll be the night game in Lexington, and of course the game by some standards, uh, at least CBS thinks so. Texas A&M at Tennessee. The Aggies trying to bounce back, and Tennessee trying to remind everybody, "Hey, yeah, we're we're still really good over here." Any thoughts on that one? That's an interesting game. I mean, you know, you kind of look at it. I think Tennessee quietly has played really good defense this year. I think they're better on that side of the ball. It's in Neyland. It's a big game for them, right? Because you don't want to go lose to A&M. Uh, and then you get into the whole, oh, the West is so much better than the East this year, blah, 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 kind of thing. Uh, and you want to keep pace with Georgia. I mean, you know, you do have the one loss to Florida, but you keep winning. Um, just like LSU, Mike, you know, it's unlikely that they win the division, but if they beat Bama and Baton Rouge, they have a shot, you know, uh, because they, they, their two losses are one's not a conference. So uh, it, 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 they still get to Atlanta. They're out of the playoff, I think, but they, they can still get to Atlanta, I think, technically, but math, mathematically. But, uh, you know, so if you're Tennessee, you want to keep pace with Georgia, you need to win the game. I don't. I see. I, I don't know who to pick because I, I think I think A and M's good enough up front to really make life difficult for uh, Joe Milton passing the ball. Okay, uh, I don't think Joe Milton's going to have a type of day Milro did. Maybe he will at home. Maybe not. And then Tennessee's offense is so predicated on running it. Well, 
gosh, A&M bottled Bama up pretty good running the ball. So what's how's it going to play out with that particular matchup? I do think Tennessee's offensive line is better than it was against Florida because they got their center back against South Carolina. But, boy, that's a that's a nasty defensive front coming in. Yeah, it is. It's And, again, another game, if it was played at Texas A&M, the Aggies would be favored. It's mm-hmm. played in Knoxville at night, so Tennessee is a slight favorite. I think A&M is a better overall team, uh, but I think it'll be a close game. Uh, it's just, again, that next tier, it, it's – there's not one team that's just clear heads and shoulders above the other in that situation. We are uh, overdue for our final timeout. We'll come back. The boss, top performers last week in college football, and also a little fun with you folks, the listeners, on the mailbag section as well. JC and Morgan on a Monday. Back in a sec. Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time. The roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how bourbon whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. (laughs) 
All right, back with you on J.C. and Morgan. Time now for The Boss, the godfather of soul, bringing us back in some of the top performers from this past weekend in college football. A lot of these we've already referenced, so I'll go quickly. Jalen Milrow of Alabama threw for career-high 321, three touchdowns in the 26-20 win in College Station. Again, week one, week two, Jalen Milrow, Alabama loses that game. It's, it's really that simple, but give him credit. The young man has progressed, and they were a threat. You have to play them honestly now. Louisville. Uh, Jawar Jordan, 21 carries, 143 yards, and two touchdowns. Who would have thought he would have been the most productive running back in that game? By the way, that victory snapped Notre Dame's 30-game win streak against the ACC, including two this year against NC State and Duke. Of all the teams that were going to snap that streak from the ACC, Louisville, the ones to do it. Again, you got a hell of a coach uh, over there in Louisville. Dylan Gabriel, if you watch the Oklahoma-Texas game, I've not been a huge Gabriel guy, but he was outstanding in that game. 285 passing yards, 113 rushing yards, clutch performance, two touchdowns, and simply outplayed Quinn Ewers, who kept turning the ball over. That's a problem in a rivalry game. Give Dylan Gabriel credit. Uh, This is where, again, when you've got guys who are like, I don't know how old Dylan is, 23, 24? That's a huge edge. We don't talk about that enough, but in today's day and age of college football, we've got guys that are old enough to be their third year in the NFL that are starting quarterbacks in college football. Uh, Carson Beck. Carson Beck of Georgia, very quietly, is doing a lot of good things. Is he Stetson Bennett? I mean, was was he Stetson Bennett clutch at times against Auburn? No, but, I mean, he... The ball pops out of his hand. You can tell why he was such a highly touted kid. He throws for 389, four touchdowns, one pick, and the win against Kentucky. Uh, Very legit is Beck. And, yes, when everybody knows Brock Bowers is going to be the guy, he still finds a way. He's the boss every week, every day of this college football season. Seven more catches, 132 yards, another touchdown. I heard an NFL scout quoted as saying, he is the highest-rated tight end in the last five, ten years in college football. Kyle Pitts would come close, who hasn't done much for the Falcons, I might add. Uh, but he's, he has Bowers ahead of him overall. Drake May, you know he's good. He was really good again this past weekend. 442 yards, three touchdowns in the Tar Heels victory. And off the board, J.C., I'm going with E.J. Warner. That's exactly what I thought you would say. That's what anybody would say. E.J. Warner is the starting quarterback for Temple. He is the son of Kurt Warner, and he was 42 for 65 for 472 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. Now, Temple lost the game, but not because of the great play of E.J. Warner. You know I like to find some of those diamonds in the rough. E.J. Warner of Temple, remember the name, and that is... The boss. Did I miss anybody? Anybody no. that you said, damn it, Mike, this guy was the boss. Covered yeah. it? Temple, man, yeah. they, they're they struggling mightily this year. They're struggling. They're not, they're not good. They're not they're good, not good. which makes it even more miraculous that he did what he did. They're not the I'm guessing it's not a, you know. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're not the temple. This is not your Matt Rule temple. temple. Or whoever, yeah. So they, they, they're, yeah. they're last in the American. But, uh, yeah, I mean, great, 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 great stuff on the ball. So I, I, and I couldn't have agreed more. I couldn't have agreed more. 
All right, quick emails. Uh, UCF John Apollo Beach. Just want your thoughts on the new corners and the newcomers in the Big Twelve so far. BYU, Cincy, UCF have been playing tough, close games to start conference play. All three of them look like they are not too far behind. Looks like Houston has some work to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I think BYU is clearly the class this year. BYU, in fact, BYU. If you want to talk about a possible pitfall for somebody like Oklahoma in the Big 12, because I think Oklahoma's going to be favored in every game the rest of the year. Uh, I, I believe they have to go to Provo, if I'm not mistaken. I know they play them. Uh, I think UCF, for whatever reason, they're a little bit off this year. They're going to be fine. Gus is not going anywhere. They'll recruit well. They'll sell the Big 12 in recruiting. Uh, I think UCF is going to be for a force. <clears throat> Certainly BYU is going to be a force. I don't know about Houston. Houston might take a while. And Cincinnati, quite frankly, after losing Coach Fickle, I don't know if they find that magic again. I think BYU and UCF would be my bets to have the best run in that conference in the next few years. I mean, we'll see. I could be wrong on that, but that's just just what I'm feeling. From Noah. Do y'all think Louisville has a real shot at the playoff? They should be able to win, maybe even favored every game here on out. And with a transfer-heavy team, they should improve as the year goes on. Thanks, guys. Love everything you do with Chief Sports. Thank you, Noah. <clears throat> what do you think, Louisville? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, if you want to look at the uh, the rest of their schedule, I, I, you know, are they going to be – all right, so Miami and that – well, not only was it one of the worst coaching blunders ever that Mario Cristobal made in that game, that game should not have been that close. Uh, Georgia Tech, I mean, has played tough this year. Uh, had a nice win over Wake Forest a couple of weeks ago. They're not that good. That game should not have been that close, period. End of story. So are they going to – so is Miami going to – so Miami's got Clemson coming up. What are they going to do in that game? Can they win it? Uh you know, Louisville still has Duke at home. Do not sleep on that game. Uh, they got to go to Miami at the end of the year. Then they got to beat Kentucky uh, in Louisville at the end of the year. And, uh, well, they play for the bourbon barrel or something. That's right. Um, so, I, I don't know. Now, if they go undefeated, then, then the question becomes, and see, Louisville, Louisville, there's no Clemson, there's no Florida State. Whereas if we were in the division uh, time period, there there would be. Uh, can they beat Florida State on a neutral field? That would be the question. I think it'd be a hell of a football game right now. But there's work to be done, um, and that would be my question. It, it, it is a favorable schedule because there's two road games. One's at, at Pitt next week, and Pitt's struggling right now. And then the other one's at Miami uh, the week before you play Kentucky. Other than that, you know, Duke at home, Virginia Tech and Virginia are not very good at all. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Can, and if they went out, Will, will they go to the playoff? Absolutely they will. I mean, I, I think unless there's like five undefeated teams, which I don't think there will be. So I, I, and I, and I think that it will be justified because of the strength of the ACC. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I don't think they're in Florida state's class and I would even be a little bit nervous about the game at Miami, but there's, there's no question. They've got a chance to, to continue, uh, to, to, Take either go. What is that called in, in poker terms? An, an outside straight or an outside? I'm I'm not good enough for the game to know. But they could they could kind of take a weird backdoor path, or they could just keep on doing what they're doing and and just 
steamroll as the ACC champion and get in that way. Don't know if that's going to happen, but regardless, it is a terrific story. Uh, what it, what Jeff Brom and company have done there. Last one from Moscow Mule. We have a, a, a big-time listener in Russia, I kid you not, uh, from a Notre Dame fan who grew up in the States. What's uh, next for Sam Hartman at Notre Dame after the Southern Cal game, likely 5-3 and three in a bye week? Does he take the exit ramp to combine prep and sit out the rest of the year? No, 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 no. Hartman is not that kind of dude. He's not wired that way. That that dude will play 110% every play left on the schedule. Uh, he is not the problem, although he did not have a good game against Louisville. Um, but, shoot, they don't win the Duke game without him. Uh, in so many ways, he's keeping that thing together. I, I think Notre Dame's got some other issues that need to be addressed. I don't think Sam Hartman is the biggest problem, and I, and I don't think Sam Hartman is the kind of kid that's just going to lay down because the season is uh, not over, but not you're not going to play for the high stakes that you hope to in South Bend. Thank you, Moscow Muled. Thank you all that uh, emailed in. Again, jcandmorgan.com. You can always hit us up on the mailbag. JC, it's been fun. We appreciate it, as always. I know you got other duties to get to, and uh, – you folks out there, we always appreciate you tuning in. We're on every format imaginable. And, Ken, you can also watch as you listen on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. For Mad Dog, Phil Molinax, our proud producer, and for JC, it's Mike saying so long. We'll see you next week on JC and Morgan.